A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Tuesday, September 10th. So you think that there's alien technology at Area 51? We're finally finding out what's going on. We reverse-engineered alien spacecraft. There's no way I'm going to storm that gate. Mysteries Decoded, all new Tuesday, September 10th on The CW. Today on the show, Rob Christofferson. That's right, it's another volume of UFO Happy Hour. He moves forward a little bit, and he can see that he can finally see this light coming down from the ceiling. So stands under this light, and the loud booming voice says, "What is your age?" And Alfred Berteau says, "Oh, I'll be turning seventy-eight on my next birthday." <laughs> and the uh, alien beings tell him, "You can go. You are too old and infirm for our purpose." <laughs> oh my God. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. Welcome to another edition of UFO Happy Hour, and as usual, I have with me Rob Christofferson, the host of the Our Strange Skies podcast. Rob, how you doing, brother? I am good. I am happy to be back. I don't know why these people keep wanting me back, but apparently they love it, <laughs> and you got to give the people what they love. So I, I won a Twitter poll, so suck it whatever else lost <laughs> yep the people have spoken they like ufo happy hour the best me too man you do all the work for these episodes so let's just be upfront with that <laughs> and i, I get do to, uh, i get to tip back a brew with you which is always a really good time so i gotta ask you what are you Absolutely. drinking well i teased it on the internet and uh, let's uh, yeah let's crack that one uh like i bought some uh some cans of Labatt Blue a while back, and uh, they've been waiting for another episode of <laughs> UFO Happy Hour, so finally got to dust those bad boys off. I'm three beers in at this point. Oh, uh, God, this is going to be fun. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you're a man after my heart, Rob. Labatt Blue, one of my favorites. I'm drooling over here. I can't find it in New York, man. We're not that far away. Dude, uh, how? Like, how how does New York City not have this? I've seen it at, like, two bars, and it's in the, like, way, way back in a dark corner. Shit's probably not even refrigerated half the time. And uh, it's hard, man. There's I, You can't find Molson here to save your life, let alone with no. that blue. So. No, Molson's practically a no-go. It's It rarely makes it over the border. You, if you're a little closer to Canada, up in, you know, like... I could probably go visit my sister in Ogdensburg, and I could probably get some, but uh, yeah, it's really tough. It is. We're going to have to get some of our friends, MJ Benias, and a few others to uh, smuggle that shit over here next time. Yeah, come on, MJ. Hook us <laughs> up, man. I know. Mr. Celebrity now. Mr. Uh, Mysteries Decoded. Mothman. Yeah. I didn't know he was a Mothman researcher, did you? <laughs> no, I did not. And you know what? The The world needs more Mothman researchers, so I'm down with it. Absolutely. No, I, I was so impressed with... Uh, with the work he did on that show. I thought it was excellent. And uh, we need we need more people to look at that stuff, you know, get more John Keel in the world. I know Hellier's going to be coming out with a second season now. We're going to be looking deeper into all that weird shit. So are you pumped for that? Oh, hell yeah. That trailer they dropped, I was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you could, like, Greg Newkirk has seen some shit. That's the best way to put it about that trailer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the fact that... The the emails now continue. I, I just I'm stunned. Yeah, yeah, I am too, and I can only imagine where this season's going. They uh, announced on Twitter that they were filming the final portions of it this weekend, so I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I remember. Um, you know, Carl Pfeiffer, the the director and filmmaker, was in was in here in New York not too long ago, and we we had dinner and. 
I asked him, I'm like, so when, when, when can we expect more? And he just said flat out, he's like, when the phenomenon shows itself again. <laughs> like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> that is such a perfect answer. That's, uh, that's so Carl, too. It is. Yes. <laughs> it's so true, though, man. You can't force these things. And they're on their own journey and path to find, maybe find answers. They might never find answers to all this weird stuff. But the fact that they're documenting it and doing it independently and on their own, I love it. I love it. I'm a huge fan. I can't wait for that. You know, answers, I don't think, are something that is built into this phenomenon, to like any of this phenomenon for the most part. It's just something you experience, something that reminds you that your world is not as familiar as you may think it is and that there are other nuances to it that, you know, will keep you scratching your head for a lifetime. I I know people that have had one or two strange experiences and it like totally changes their worldview. So if that's what this phenomenon is doing, well, it's doing a pretty good job of it. I think so, man. This whole trickster element too. I, I don't care. I've told people so many damn times. I don't care if I ever know what UFOs are or aren't like mm-hmm. I, the journey alone and the little nudges these phenomena give you and be like, ha ha, you thought you knew this. Fuck you. You know, that's, I love that stuff. Just when you think you know something, you know, something creeps around the corner and taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, I'm over here. Come look at me. So I love it. I love it. Um, it's sobering to think we may never know what's out there, but, uh, I know a lot of the stories we're going to talk about tonight. A lot of these people probably will never know what actually happened to them. So I am stoked to do this with you. We've got some really good stuff lined up. We do. We do. Um, before we do that, though, I gotta tell you what I am drinking. Uh, here yes. we go. All right. This is the Thousand Stars Pilsner from Alwife Brewing Company in the Bronx. I went all the way up to the Bronx to get this one. So this is going to be a That's good bold, one. man. <laughs> I know. Bold. <laughs> little, little white boy going up into the Bronx. <laughs> gotta love it. It. it could be a tough neighborhood. <laughs> it can, man, especially if you're wearing a New York Mets hat in Yankee territory. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I've I, seen what happens. You know, my my old man was born in uh, Brooklyn. He grew up on Long Island, and every now and then we'd go back down to Brooklyn visit the family. And uh, yeah, I learned pretty quick you don't wear a Mets hat down there. <laughs> nope, and vice versa. I live in Queens. I live about maybe twenty five minutes from City Field, and mm-hmm. it's the same here, man. You you got a Yankees hat on anywhere in a five mile radius, and and that hat's going down the gutter. I can tell you that much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun when they have the uh, the Subway series here, too. My dad comes to town and, you know, we'll we'll be on our way to the Yankees game and I'll bust out all my Mets stuff and he'll be like, you can't be seen with that. What are you doing? <laughs> That's what happens nice. when you grow up in a Yankees family and then turn to the one of the worst teams in history, the Mets. Not so much this <laughs> season, but... um. No, yeah. no. This season, you know, they're, they're doing pretty good. Um, the this is the uh, the home run derby season because yep. just everybody's slamming them. So I know, man. It brings me back to like the McGuire days and Sammy Sosa. I'm like, all right, wh- who's who's taking steroids? Let's let's yeah. look at this again. We got to do another investigation. <laughs> like our entire te- our entire team's just juicing right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's like the uh, the late 90s all over again. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, I'm sure we could do a whole episode on baseball, too, but that's not what our <laughs> audience is here for. So I guess we should talk a little bit UFOs. How's that sound? That yeah, sounds good, man. Awesome. Well, we're going to start with the most popular thing going on in UFO conversations right now. No, I'm not talking about Tom DeLong. I am talking about hashtag storm. Area 51. Let's get the shit out of the way early. (laughs) What do you think of all this, Rob? What do you think is going to happen, not happen? What are your suggestions to anyone out there who's planning on going to this Storm Area 51 on September 20th? I I honestly think this is the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. (laughs) And, like, this went from being a joke very quickly to something serious and then it became like a first amendment's right thing and now it's let's just try to pop off with the festival or or, or something or two or three mm-hmm. it's three i think we're up to three now yeah um it's very unorganized my advice would be 
to let let's just avoid this this year and next year why don't we take a year to plan this out yeah. better so you know you can find a good location where people you know want to host it and not Rachel Nevada how many people live in Rachel Nevada Dude, it's not even like a town. They call it a township yeah. because there's so few people. I don't know. Right. I, I couldn't tell you, but I could tell you every single one of those people don't want you coming there. No. No, and I'm pretty sure most of the people in the outlying areas don't want it either just because most of them are very small towns. So right. it's not it's not – it's not, you know, a very good place to host something like that. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they're expecting thousands of people to show up. And that's just, you know, that's just a guess. Like, honestly, nobody knows how many people are going to show up to any of these three events. I think it's Alien Stock, uh, Peace Stock or some bullshit. And then we've got um, Storm Area 51 Base Camp, which uh, Jeremy Corbell is working on. And, of course, anyone who knows our show or knows Area 51, Jeremy Corbell is now forever intrinsically linked to that, uh, mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. A lot of people don't, but um, right. <laughs> I got to hand the guy some props. I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and he is trying to make this thing as safe, uh, as educational, and as uh, worth people's time going out there. But I do agree with you. If you're going to do something like this, if you're coordinating any sort of thing that's expecting this many people, take a year to figure the shit out. You know, it happened, mm -hmm. it blew up, and of course, you know, people are going to take advantage of that and get something going. But this this could potentially be really dangerous. Just think, you know, out of maybe a thousand people show up, and that's being generous. One percent of those people are going to actually be in... A not good state of mind, and they're actually going to try to storm those gates. I guarantee it. I guarantee mm -hmm. it. There's going to be some yeah. asshole who wants that YouTube video or that Instagram photo of them on the other side of the gate or, you know, Naruto running towards whatever the hell they expect to see. Dude, there's no building within like 10 miles of the actual gate. So good luck no. with that. There's going to be no photos or videos because they will be confiscated. They will be taken down if you put them up. It's just because, it, I mean, it's a, a classified military base. There's no way that you're going to be able to keep that uh, for one. And, and you may be lucky if you get to keep your life because we already had one guy try to storm area, what, 331, yeah. something like that. And he paid for it with his life. So Yeah, dude. We brought that up, I think, on our last UFO happy hour. It happened like the day before or something. Yep. Yeah, that's scary. I mean, that's the shit that happens. You get shot dead. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, I know I know that the security at the base is they're well equipped for this sort of thing. It, I don't care if you have a thousand, two thousand, four thousand people storming that gate. They will stop you. They have mm -hmm. every right to and they have every uh, resource to do that. This is a black budget, high classified military installation. They have more money than any military base you can possibly think of. So, you know, they're going to be doing everything. I was talking to someone recently who said they've got like these, this technology that can make you sick to your stomach. Mm -hmm. Like immediately when you get to a certain area, they can shut down your phones, uh, with like the click of a button. We're not talking like shooting people in the head left and right, like a total firefight going on we're talking some of the most high-tech ways of securing the base which needs to be secured this is a defense right. base they are doing right. these things there for a reason whether you think there's aliens there or not like this is some serious shit and i think a lot of people don't really realize that right and if you really honestly want to know what's at area 51 uh, there's a couple of sources we can send you to one go read annie jacobson's book about it it's totally. pretty well in depth and it pretty much lays it out secondly the history channel actually produced a documentary about lockheed barton mm -hmm. and their skunk works program and that's basically what was out there they developed u2 they developed the uh, F-117, they developed the SR-71, all out there. That's what that base was designed for. I yeah. mean, the... Which, which uh, is fascinating enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, they literally put it in a place that is adjacent to atomic testing. I mean, I wouldn't want to go out there. 
No, man, that's another thing I think people don't realize is there have been so much, so many bombs blown up out there that I wouldn't even want to get close to that area. And I did. <laughs> people are going to see it tomorrow night, actually. See yeah. me at the gates of Area 51 once this episode airs. And I can tell you right now, I'm a little scared. I might grow an extra arm. Um, I don't know, man. Um, everybody, eye. everybody, we're going to need you to keep an eye on Ryan. Uh, <laughs> just like make sure that he's okay. Make sure that, you know, it's, he's not turning any weird colors mm-hmm. or, you know, he's not like, you know, hulking out here like <laughs> Bruce Banner. I wish, man. Yeah. Yeah. Those days are over. Muscular Ryan is gone. Replaced <laughs> by a nice doughy doughboy over here, which uh, that's what unemployment gets you. <laughs> It does. It does. I I was unemployed once for two years. It was not fun. Yeah, yeah. For anyone listening, I did lose my job temporarily. Um, I'm going back to work soon, but um, that's why I have the time to do these fun episodes with Rob. So God bless the economy for failing me. That's all I can say. Thanks, economy. (laughs) Thanks, Obama. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) yeesh, moving on. So I got to ask you before we move on, Rob, with this whole Storm Area 51 stuff, do you think this is going to help or harm the UFO field, if there is a UFO field, uh, or the UFO community? Does this help us or hinder us? I don't think it does either. I think it's just... This is something that's kind of slipped through the cracks. It's really a joke, and I don't see really any sides of the UFO community, with the exception of Jeremy Corbell himself, really contributing to this. Like, if you talk to most ufologists, they'll tell you that this is absolutely dumb, and, you know, they're not really giving it the time of day. The Most of the people that are interested in this are just your average Joes. It, it like, it feels like people are haunted by the fact that Woodstock did not take place this year, so we need right. to do something else. We need some other stock to happen, and this seems to be the only way to do it. But um, yeah. that's a good point. You know, I think the UFO community, quote unquote, they're actually smart enough to not go to this thing because they know what could happen if you yeah. go there. And they also know that there's nothing out there. I mean, leaving Las Vegas, it's like an hour and a half drive just to get to that gate. And Mm -hmm. I got lost, man. I got lost an hour and a half into the drive, had to turn around, go all the way back to the little alien and get directions. And I almost ran out of gas on the way there. So I could be still out there deserted, dead in the middle of the desert if I, uh, if I didn't have other people out there to make sure that didn't happen. But, Everyone going out there, I don't think they're prepared for this, man. It's a long-ass trek just to get out there, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, whatever, whatever's gonna happen on September 20th, um, I'm interested to see how this all plays out. I, I have a feeling it's gonna be a dud, to be completely honest. And again, Jeremy Corbell is a friend, but I, I just think this is way over the heads of everyone involved, including Maddie Roberts, the kid who started all this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And God bless him, he's trying. He's trying to spin this into some positive, fun thing, but I think just like it was a surprise to him that this thing went viral, uh, it's going to be a surprise at how hard it is to pull something off with these expectations of thousands of people coming to Rachel, Nevada, especially when the people do not want them there. It's, it is, it's Woodstock all over again. You know what I think people should do? I think people should protest this by reading about the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. Cause it's the same time. This is, it's the anniversary. Good read point. about it, folks. Absolutely. Read about it. That is such a good point. I think they just had the Exeter UFO festival. As they well. did. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a good point. And I know you've covered Betty and Barney Hill extensively on your show. So please, I, I hope people will definitely take your advice on that. But Rob, I want to get to some of the stuff you got going on at Our Strange Skies. Is that cool? Oh, yeah, man. So this one literally made me laugh out loud uh, when I heard you were writing this. A recent blog you wrote at your website. It is called Don't Go to the Graves for Your Gift Wrapping Needs. So could you maybe tell us what the running theme of this post is and maybe a few examples of uh, what you mean by this, man? Sure. So last year I did an episode 
that was an overview of the abduction phenomenon. I did it with my good friend, Rich Adams, screenwriter of The Mothman Prophecies. And we started talking about how sometimes aliens, for lack of a better term, fuck up when they're doing something. They mess up, you know, bringing a person back. Sometimes people will be uh, brought back a mile or two away from where they were abducted. There is supposedly one story that was told to a researcher named John S. Carpenter that one person was returned 20 miles away from where they were abducted in a nearby town. What a dick move. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um, I mean, in, in Travis Walton's case, he was, I think a couple miles away from the Sitgreaves national forest. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the, it gets more, you know, nefarious from there. Sometimes these, uh, aliens will take, uh, personal items from people. There are some, uh, experiencers that report that they have, uh, they have jewelry missing. Some have reported that, uh, apparently some greys have a thing for, uh, nightgowns. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Apparently this one guy told, uh, John Carpenter, that he had to keep replacing his wife's nightgowns because he was afraid that she would be seen by the neighbors floating outside uh, uh, in the air, you know, completely naked. (laughs) Wow, that's a that's a possessive husband right there, I guess. Yeah, you know, he's he's doing good work. Um, (laughs) Sometimes when the aliens bring people back. They um, bring them back and put them in the wrong place, not just miles away, but just like in the wrong central location. So uh, Terry Lovelace reported that during the actual Devil's Den abduction, when they brought him back, the aliens placed him near their car uh, when, in fact, they actually abducted him from their tent. So the aliens had to come back and move them back into the tent. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. And... um if you read John Mack's abduction, there's this brief little tidbit in there uh, about this guy who's researching an abduction. And apparently these two people were abducted at the same time from two different cars. When they were returned, they were returned to the wrong car. Each of them saw each other on the highway as they were driving past each other. And the aliens had to come back, re-abduct them and put them in the right cars. Oh, my. oh that just gave me chills, actually. Could you imagine, like, driving down the road and seeing your your own vehicle being driven by someone else? Ooh, yeah. yeah. That's weird, man. Creepy. Um, where the essay gets its title from is the account of a woman named uh, Carol Denham. And she was an abductee. She lived, uh, I, I want to say, in Massachusetts, I think. And... Basically, she had had experiences her entire life. This was in January of like 92, 91, 92, somewhere around there. And she had gone to a company Christmas party. She was returning. And with her in her truck, she was returning to a farm that uh, she worked on. She had this gift wrap package of cookies and like fruitcake. And she recognized the signs that she was about to get abducted. And uh, in one moment, you know, there was just this bright light. And then the next moment she's in her cab, everything's all messed up. And then there's papers all over the cab of the truck. And she looks down at the package and she realizes that it's been poorly rewrapped by the grace. (laughs) It sounds like me at Christmas. I used to volunteer at our mall to wrap presents and people would just be like, uh, I think I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> wow, that's see, this is this is what's amazing to me. And I'm so glad that you were able to like, cherry pick all these stories out of different abduction researchers work because they they happen. I mean, yeah. we know people have been returned in different clothes that weren't theirs or yep. clothes were inside out and just like small things like that. It's it's so interesting. Yeah. Um. And I mean, there are things that aliens seem to be puzzled by that, you know, to the average person, like are really everyday items that we use. Like uh, there's one situation in which the aliens bringing back this one woman didn't understand how the blankets on her bed were 
used. Mm. <laughs> so they just draped them around her neck. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing was is that she was um, at this UFO conference and her roommate was in the room with her and she watched the whole thing and she's just talking about like they seem confused and frustrated by how the blankets work. <laughs> <laughs> Yet they could travel, you know, hundreds of millions of light years to get to our planet. That that that's what always fascinates me with these uh, conundrums of the greys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it almost really makes them kind of human. Yeah. Just yeah, don't understand how things work, but you know. We'll give it our best shot. Right, right. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I'm I'm good at some stuff, and I'm completely horrible at others. I mean, you ask me to uh, add two and two, and I'm clueless, but you want, <laughs> you want me to write a uh, soliloquy of Shakespearean, uh, you know, dialogue? I'll do it. I'll do it for you, like, on the spot. So, you know, it, it's just like humans. We all have our own set of skills and traits so maybe the greys are the same we think of them as these drone-like things but maybe they're more human than we think maybe you know maybe lends credence to this these theories that uh you know these are humans from the future and like this is not something it, this is an old idea because if you go back into the late 1800s there were people postulating what the humans of the future would look like and a lot of them had really bulbous heads mm -hmm. and some of them kind of walked on you know four legs almost kind of reverting to like the the man in the trees and kind of stuff like that but if you do look at that there's an interesting account i can't remember the guy's name but he wrote this account after being in a coma for a few years and he talked about seeing man in the future and kind of looked a little bit like the grays hg uh, wells also kind of toyed with this idea in a satirical work called uh, man of the year million and if you google pictures of what man of the year million looked like kind of looks like a gray on all fours there is there's a <laughs> um an incident i came across Rob, this one's pretty funny. This comes from Mike Clellan, the owl guy. Do you know Mike's work? I do know Mike's work, yes. Okay. Yeah, he lives not too far from you, actually. He he lives uh, – the the doctor's inn is in my hometown. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think you mentioned that at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, – yeah, and then, you know, some aliens showed up there when you were there one weekend and, you Apparently. know – my, my hometown has never been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll, I'll never okay. return. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Mike told in his first book, The Messengers, uh, this really funny story, almost heartwarming, where uh, a woman, a multiple abductee, she'd been abducted all her life. She was, you know, putting her kids to bed one night and getting ready to go to sleep. And she's on the ground level of her house. And she looks out the window and she sees a gray staring at her from the window. And the gray runs away from the window. She can see it like running away. So she goes outside and she's like, hey, I see you. And the gray turns around, looks at her and not telepathically, like she could see its mouth moving. And it just goes, owl, 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 owl. And it was trying to screen memory itself into an owl and it couldn't <laughs> do it so she's staring at this gray outside and it's just looking at her going owl 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 <laughs> and it couldn't do it for some reason it could not implant the screen memory into her head of uh what you're looking at is actually an owl not a gray alien so i mean that gray fucked up probably got demoted that day and uh didn't get to do the abduction so yeah you know he's probably one of those uh, crays that's, you know, just hanging around waiting to do something around the table or something. Right, right. He's yeah. like, oh, let me please, let me try, let me try. Oh. <laughs> so that's sad. great, though. I know. That's well, so great. I hope he was able to finally screen memory someone, abduct them, and traumatize them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. That's all we can <laughs> hope for. <sighs> These poor That's all you can ask for in an alien abduction, really. I know, I know. And I know we're making light of it, but I do, you know, <laughs> have all the empathy in the world for people who suffer these experiences. But uh, Oh, absolutely. You can't I, help but laugh when an alien uh, is yelling owl at you. 
Yeah, you you can't help but laugh when aliens just screw up. Exactly. Well, I know you have a bunch of other examples in that article, so I definitely suggest people check out that one over at your website, ourstrangeskies.com. <laughs> All right, man. So let's move on to your one of your latest episodes that I was listening to titled Harm from Above, Part 1. This is great. We're going to get a part two, uh, which you cover why UFOs may be hostile. And you gave a few examples. So I was wondering, maybe, would you mind teasing a little of this episode for us? So uh, I've been on a Brazil kick lately, uh, mostly because their cases are so out of the norm for most countries. Like you talk about people seeing humanoids or just having a random encounter while in 1977, UFOs in Brazil started to get a little violent, and they coined a term for them called the chupas. Now, you may know about these a little bit if you've read Hunt for the Skinwalker. They get kind of a little mentioned because on the ranch, I I think it was uh, Mrs. Sherman who had the encounter with the uh, the box-like um ufo out there or it might have been mm-hmm. terry i can't remember exactly but uh they talked about the chupas and they talked about how some of them were these rectangular or square like objects and the people of uh in northern brazil ended up undergoing this intense flap with ufos that would shoot beams down at them and would cause them all sorts of bodily injuries. Sometimes there would be skin lesions. Uh, people would feel nauseous, dizzy. Uh, sometimes they would, I think, just black out. A lot of physical symptoms in response to these, but there were very few occupants seen. Some of them were like very strange. There was one person who saw a man and a woman just flying in this weird looking cylinder. And in another one, there was a very strange looking humanoid that floated out of a, uh, one of these chupas. You're going to get that in part two and, uh, was checking out a boat, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, the MO, yeah, most of the time it, it fit this pattern. And this was seen by countless people. Like we're we're talking in the hundreds. Not only that, this was Brazil's first government-run study of UFOs, and their investigators experienced them. The doctor that treated the injuries sustained by these chupas also saw the, saw them. Uh, everybody was seeing it. So I wanted to cover it because it's a flap that I think people overlook a lot of the time. There aren't a lot of pods that I've seen cover them, and it's definitely one that uh, is worthy of its own episode. We broke it up into two. But uh, I think a lot of the problem is, too, where, you know, Antonio Villas-Boas and the Virginia incident, they're readily available sources in English. You don't have that for Colares because... Most of the documents are coming from, uh, it was called the uh, Operacal Prato team. So literally, uh, in Portuguese, it's Operation Plate because, you know, it's mm. kind of tongue-in-cheek for a saucer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, if you want to try and take a crack at those documents, uh, uh, John Greenwald has them on his website, uh, The Black Vault. And uh, is, we're talking about two over 2,000 pages of documentation. And they, the Brazilian government investigated this for about a year and a half, just writing reports, interviewing witnesses, uh, gathering testimony. It it really is one of the best flaps, you know, something that is on par with uh, the 73 uh, year of the humanoids or the 65 to 67 flaps in the States or the 54 flap in uh, France and all these, yeah, just all these flaps on par with it kind of just really goes above it. It's, yeah. it's disturbing to think because, I mean, you can, you can find reports of, uh, her name was, uh, Dr. Carvalho. She treated like, I want to say about 50 patients. So it's a wild one. Wow. Uh, but definitely check out, uh, those episodes. Um, yeah, part two will have come out. By the time uh, this episode goes up, so it's uh, it's uh, an interesting uh, it's an interesting flap. 
Absolutely, man. And I mean, you know, we have so many examples here in the U.S. too. Look at like, you know, Rendlesham. Look at the harm that came to uh, to the gentleman there. His name's escaping yep. me right now. Not Penniston. The oh, Bur- Burroughs. John yeah, Burroughs. John Burroughs. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, he had to get like congressional help to get yeah. helped out with this thing. This like ruined his heart. This UFO. Event. Yeah. I mean, you you look at the the cases in which maybe the UFOs weren't acting aggressively, but they had negative health effects, like yeah. uh, Cash Landrum. That's the one uh, I was going to mention. I couldn't think of the name. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Falcon Lake incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stefan Mikulak had all sorts of health problems uh after that and he had uh these this grid pattern of scars that would uh materialize and disappear like every so many months for a while it was uh, it was a wild one and then there's you know the other side of that uh the healings and such yeah so i mean yeah let's do a complete 180 here you go from ufos that cause harm to uh ufos that are helping people out and this is another episode of your show called the ufo miracle so could you tell us a little about this one i i'd like to end a little happier (laughs) yeah right they've been seen all over our planet somewhere in the skies i'm talking about flying saucers Hey guys, Ryan Sprague here, and I'm excited to tell you about Saucer, your source for original and authentic ufology-inspired essentials and apparel, symbolizing self-enrichment. Elevate your craft at thesaucerbrand.com. Use promo code SKIES for 20% off your entire purchase. I've got their bomber jacket, their t-shirts, and their crew neck sweater. And I am rocking them like crazy here in New York City. People are starting to ask me about it, and they're even starting to look up into the skies. Saucer products are sustainably made in the USA with only the most comfortable fabrics known to man. Receive 20% off your entire purchase now when you use the code SKIES at thesaucerbrand.com. Show everyone that you believe and get your saucer gear now. That's thesaucerbrand.com. Keep looking somewhere in the skies and remember to elevate your craft. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. So, in an issue of Flying Saucer Review from the mid-60s, uh, Dr. Olavo Fontes, who uh, for a long time uh, was Brazil's like number one UFO investigator, there were a few others, but he was the really the one that had the best resources because he was affiliated with APRO. He had a partnership with a journalist named Jao Martins, who published in this magazine called O Cruzeiro. It was 
it was kind of your average like maybe look magazine or time magazine or something like that and occasionally he would publish these uh ufo accounts and he got he would routinely get letters and one of them that he got was from this woman who was uh, a caretaker to this one man's daughter and she told this story about how she had uh i want to say it was like stomach cancer and it was really painful for her as stomach cancer is and they were pretty much certain that she was going to die and all of a sudden they're all gathered around in this one room they see a bright light outside the window and there's this ufo and all of a sudden this uh doorway opens up and there are these two beings that float out and one of them that stands in the doorway they were short about four feet tall they came in and they started to perform an operation on this girl and there there was another one that was explaining to the girl's father that, you know, you're going to have to do this uh, after we leave. Give her these pills. These these aliens apparently gave her gave this man pills to give to his daughter. Wow, they're like pharmacists. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, according to the letter, she was cured. That's that's I don't know what to say. I mean, it almost like makes you really wonder, you know. Maybe some races are here to harm us or to, um, you know, deplete our resources. But then you have situations like this where it's like, wow, how else do you take it other than like a miracle? You know, you, you got to wonder how many people think this could be something angelic or spiritual even. Right. And to this woman, it looked like a UFO and aliens getting out. And I mean, we have other cases of UFO healings. There's a fascinating case from France, um, the case of a man. They called him Dr. X. They didn't want to reveal his identity. But one night, he is um, awoken in the middle of the night. His uh, his son wakes him up, and he's a little restless. And he looks out the window, and he can see, like, these bright flashes. Like, it's uh, – there's, like – thunder and lightning out there except uh there's no thunder there's just these flashes of light and he goes to this picture window see these two ufos that keep dropping beams down and they're flying parallel to each other and at one point they just come together and they form one big huge ufo this UFO comes towards the window where the doctor is standing. The doctor has all these health problems, some of them stemming from World War II. And I, I think one was sustained after falling off a ladder. He couldn't walk very well. I think he had like a blood clot in his leg or, and stuff like that. <laughs> well, he um, after this incident, he gets up the next morning, finds out that, you know, he's walking just fine, seems to be healed. Um at one point, he gets a message that these aliens are going to return after he falls down a uh, small set of stairs. He falls down the set of stairs. The UFO does return. And apparently, this man has interactions with this UFO and supposedly alien beings for the majority of his life. But uh, at certain points, he and his son would get this triangular-shaped red mark that would appear on their abdomen every so often so yeah that's a that's one yeah. fascinating case uh, I'll, I'll do an episode on that at some point but yeah it's uh that's another one they these um these healings every now and then are very strange there's another one in 1951 it's called the georgia stocks case and this pilot was flying and he had made contact with the ufo and instead of falling to the ground, this this UFO brought him on board. They apparently diagnosed him with cancer, and they cured his cancer on board. He wakes up a short while later on the ground outside near the wreckage of his plane. But unfortunately, he dies a year later. Oh, my God. All that for nothing. Yeah. Jesus. That is just, like, irony at its finest. I don't even know what to say to that. I need to take a sip of my beer. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, we do. We both do. <laughs> <coughs> oh, I'm choking. 
Um, wow, man. Well, I mean, and you look at something like the Carlos de los Santos case where UFOs collided with a dude's plane. They yep. make him go into like a downward spiral and then they safely guide him to like an area where he can land safely. So you gotta wonder. Look at Travis Walton, too. Yep. You know, hit with the beam, might have killed him, who knows? And then they bring him on board to fix him up. That's what he says, at least. So you gotta wonder. Well, yeah, because, I mean, like, it didn't seem like those aliens were touching down in that field to abduct anybody. It seemed like they were having some kind of mechanical problems because they were just, like, kind of floating up and down in this field. And then you got some young, brash idiot that decides to come over and (laughs) gets hit with a blue beam of light. Oh, well, we got to fix them. Yep, and now we forever have that abduction scene planted into our heads for the rest of eternity. Ugh, that thing gives me nightmares. It it does. It, it really does, especially when you see uh, Mike Rogers' illustration of the first aliens that he comes into contact with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're very strange. I think they're... I think the their eyes and the way that, that their pupils and their brown eyes are kind of freak me out more than anything. Not to mention the fact that he like painted them with these like stern expressions. I'm like, I think they were a little more emotive than that, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. You do have to wonder. Hey, artist interpretation. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Mike Rogers, he got brought into all this mess anyway. So yeah. Is he the one Rob? I don't know if you know, one of them like goes out to the site now all the time and like is begging and waiting to be taken. I don't think it's Mike Rogers. I think it's one of the other guys. Ugh, I don't... That's so sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't even know what it would be like to be in that kind of situation, yeah. to be a bystander, to uh, how that would affect you your entire life. I mean, we know that guys like Philip Ass, I call him that, <laughs> you know, like tried to fucking ruin some lives there, not to mention that just seeing something like that just like what kind of existential crisis will that create in some people i can only imagine right and to you know have such confidence in one another and loyalty to stick to the story and meanwhile your your life is just going into a downward spiral of like you know being involved with this ufo case you gotta wonder, and all these guys stick to it to this day, even if it did ruin their lives. So, no, even though Travis was the one taken, they all suffered because of this, and they all had their own existential crisis, I would believe. Crisis of faith, belief, and, uh, and the fact that one of them's going out there begging to be taken. I guess I can understand. Like, he wants confirmation that this shit actually happened and that the way his life went is maybe worth it? I don't know. Right. I mean, like, you know, Travis Walton was literally taken. These guys were taken in other ways. So, you know, that that will definitely affect you. Yeah. Well, you know, not to get too sad again, but this one dude broke my heart when I heard about this. A rejected abductee. So, you know, we have UFO occupants that are harmful, sometimes helpful, and sometimes they simply are just doing their job. And quality control seems to be a big part of that. So could you maybe tell us a little about this poor bastard, Albert Berto? <laughs> Alfred Berto, he, uh, oh my gosh, he's, God love this guy. He, um, he was night fishing in, these, in this place called the Bassing Stroke Canal, this This canal was essentially built in the late 1700s in England to kind of introduce agriculture all along this canal way. And uh, it it, uh, kind of went out of commission not long after, maybe 40 years after it was built. And it went through different stages. The military used it for training during World War One and to bring supplies up and down. But. Uh, A lot of people used it for recreational fishing and boating and such. And one of those people was Alfred Berteau. And in 1983, you know, we're in we're 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 approaching the height of 
you know, abductions in pop culture where at least in the UFO community, we're, we're getting to that level. And Alfred Berteau decides he's going to go night fishing, something that he did every so often. And um, he was 77 years old at the time, brought his dog Tiny with him. And he settles in at around 1 a.m. He's got his line out there. He takes a swig of tea and he sees these lights just coming in and approaching. And they set down in this copse of trees nearby. And uh, a few minutes later, his dog just starts going nuts. So he looks over. He can see these two figures approaching him. They're kind of wearing coveralls and helmets with a with a visor on them and they basically motion for him to come along with them so you've got one leading and then one behind him and they approach this craft that it's kind of uh, a little donut shaped with a really strange dome on top it's got these porthole lights on on the uh outer edge of it and there's this small stairway leading up into an opening so they lead him up in there he's standing in this room for maybe a few minutes and this shaft comes out of the floor and this really loud booming voice says stand under the amber light and at the time he couldn't actually see an amber light so he he moves forward a little bit and he can see that he can finally see this light coming down from the ceiling so stands under this light and the loud booming voice says what is your age and alfred berteau says oh i'll be turning 78 on my next birthday <laughs> and the uh, alien beings tell him you can go you are too old and infirm for our purpose <laughs> oh my god Albert, no. So Albert, you know, he wasn't dejected. He didn't feel dejected or anything. He just went back to fishing. And then he's fishing until probably about noon the next day. He runs into a couple of uh, Ministry of Defense uh, guys out there. And, you know, he's talking about it. And they're like, oh, I guess you did see that UFO. I was like, well, that's interesting. But uh <laughs> Oh, man. Poor Alfred Berteau, just too old and infirm for their purposes. You know, if it wasn't enough that, like, society casts the elderly aside and forgets about them, even the fucking aliens won't take them, man. I mean, I think Dave Huggins is the best of us all because, he, you know, he's, like, how old now? And apparently he's still getting it. I don't know. Yo, Dave Huggins is the man still macking it with an alien at, like, 79, I think. Yeah, yeah, more power to him. Hey, dude, if you still got it, use it. That's all I got to say. Rob, now, before we leave here, there is another series you do with your show called The Meltdown, and these are where you get kind of like UFO Happy Hour. You let loose, and you just air all your frustration, man. And these are the best episodes of any podcast that's willing to, like, shed that professionalism or that performance mode and really tell their honest opinions. So I love when you guys do these episodes. And you you recently covered... Something that should not be back in the UFO conversation and up for debate, but for some fucking reason it is. I don't know why, but people think the alien autopsy video, once again, is real. But you recently covered it, and you talked about the Frakes, man. So what was this meltdown episode, man? So I had my buddies, Brian and Angelo, from Double Density on. And, man, uh, we, we did what we call the Frakes trilogy, which is <laughs> the uh, the uh, alien autopsy video. And two specials that he did in 97 and 2000 called UFOs, the best evidence ever caught on tape. Yeah, which, oh, man, I remember yeah. those. Yeah, which uh, most of those were not the best evidence ever caught on tape. <laughs> Some of them were very much street lights. Some of them were the reflection of indoor lights, you know, from a window. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of them. We, we gave a little credit to Jaime Musan during the uh, 1990 uh, Mexico City uh, eclipse footage because some of it's good, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, most of it uh, we, we've actually we've actually asked like, 
you know, instead of getting wrapped up in these alien mummy hoaxes, why don't you, like, digitize all these videos that you say you have, like over 5,000 UFO videos that you've been sent? Why don't we just digitize those, buddy? Yeah, Just come on. Good question. We, we even we even offered to set up a Patreon for him. I mean, come on, Jaime. <laughs> he he doesn't need your money. Trust me, he's doing just fine. <laughs> I know, but I I figured it would be a little more motivation. But you know, absolutely. But we talked about the Ray Santilli alien autopsy video from the absolute. Oh, just great special Alien Autopsy Factor Fiction. Oh, dude, I watch it, like, on a monthly basis. It's on Netflix right now, and, like, I always go back to it, because even even without the videos of the alien, it's a pretty good wrap-up of the Roswell incident, to be honest. They got Frankie right. Rowe on there, who you don't hear from that often, so... No. Yeah, so no. how did it go? What'd you guys... What, what were your uh, conclusions, or... Well, the, the the interesting thing is, is like, yeah, you get the, the Roswell portion up front and then you have all these quote unquote experts looking at this, uh, you know, video. And, and one of them is um, Cyril Brecht, uh, the all star. Uh, he was the uh, what was he medical examiner that was like featured on every program in the 90s <laughs> in 2000. Cyril Brecht just an interesting guy and he's somehow convinced that this is an actual life form okay we got a medical examiner convinced this is an actual life form then we have stan winston now stan winston stan winston built the freaking dinosaurs from jurassic park he was just at first he's like no this is fake and then you know as you go along he's like oh no this has got to be real because we couldn't even duplicate this and you know uh, today even though one guy duplicated it in his london flat he built it in his london flat come yeah on. come on man like who, how much did they pay him to say that right right the, i mean realistically this this special the only thing this special was missing was bruce maccabee because he falls for most things hook line and sinker god bless you bruce but some things you put a little too much stock in uh <coughs> golf breeze uh, but um <laughs> crop circle videos <coughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we uh we we toured a new one uh just you, I don't understand how people can still believe this after Ray Santilli himself said that he had to, quote unquote, remake this footage because he saw a video. Uh, he saw video footage of this originally, but it was in so poor quality. He had to refilm it mm-hmm. himself. And then you had, I forget what his name was in 2017, saying, oh, yeah, I created this in my London flat. It wasn't that hard. Spiro something? I, I don't yes. Know. Or yeah. he was the one who, so I don't know. It's There's actually a good movie I remember watching. Uh, but I think Bill Pullman was even in it, um, if yeah, I'm there not was mistaken. There was a 2006 movie. Yeah. And it, was, uh, it was a British movie. Yeah, comedy. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you it know, should be. You know who created that? No. The guys that host British British Scott Talent. <laughs> All right. There you go. Brit Scott Talent. Yeah, the the two hosts that they have on there created that uh, okay. movie. <laughs> okay. It's actually I really enjoyed it. It yeah, gives it's a you good like movie. a step by step of how they did this thing. But um right. I don't know if you know anything about all this shit going on right now with people claiming that it actually is real and that like admirals or someone are saying that it was real i don't know i think it was in one of the eric davis memos okay they were talking about it in one of those because they were also talking about the mj doc mj12 documents being real i had mj Banias on last year and we talked about uh, the paul benowitz stuff and the mj12 documents and you know he's like mj12 was a thing but they just didn't investigate aliens they were involved in covering up you know atomic fallout and stuff Mm -hmm. like that that's what they were there for and i mean if you have heard of the mj12 documents uh what you need to do now is go to the internet and look up something called the pratt tapes if you go look for the pratt tapes you can pretty much tell where the mj12 stuff came from not to Mm -hmm. mention and the first MJ12 documents, who were they sent to? Jamie Chandra and Bill Moore. 
he hasn't been wrapped up in any sort of disinformation uh, controversies. Not at all. No, not at all. He, I mean, he didn't admit to, like, you know, playing his part in the Paul Benowitz affair at all, like, in 1989 at the MUFON Symposium. Right. Like, that, that symposium had to be, like, Yo, gangbusters. I wish I could have been there. Oh, yeah, I know Greg Bishop was there at the time. He said, like, yo, those people were, if if there were pitchforks there being sold, they would have sold out in, like, two minutes. <laughs> I, I'm sure, because, I mean, I can't imagine it's an easy thing to, to get up there and say, oh, yeah, I helped ruin Paul Benowitz's life. In, in in return, I get all this authentic UFO information. I mean, a lot of people think this is, you know, the whole Tom DeLonge thing. Like, he's getting fed actual information, but then he's going to pump out a whole different narrative to the, to the public. Now, I don't believe that, but at the end of the day, man, it's it, – the fact that we're still talking about the alien autopsy video and that it could be real, uh, what kind of world are we living in? It just – it astounds me. That this is happening, that the MJ-12 documents, the alien autopsy, are being debated again. And that's the UFO field. There's such amnesia when it comes to these things that people are so hungry to believe in something that the minute someone says, let me recycle that alien autopsy thing again and let's see what happens, people are going to fucking believe it. It's astounding. Right. And like, the thing is, is like, I at Hook, Line, Sinker, what I would tell you to do is to go out and do a little more research. And that's really what this field of study is. It's looking into all angles of this and saying, oh, well, I think there's something to this or no, this is completely bogus. And I mean, if you go to the FBI's website and you look at the MJ-12 documents, somebody basically wrote bogus in big black <laughs> letters on these documents and put pictures of them on their website. That's what they think of them. And I mean... Uh, here, here's a good barometer. So the uh, Psalm 101 manual that uh, was sent to Don Berliner in 1991, I believe it was. Now, Clifford Stone, do you know who Clifford Stone is? Uh, the uh, crash retrieval guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They asked Clifford Stone about the Psalm 101 manual. He's like, no, it's it's not like anything that I had to work with. Mm. So... I don't think it's real. No, it's not real. Yeah, if Clifford Stone, who will believe anything, <laughs> yeah. uh, is saying that, then that means something. Yeah, uh, th- that's definitely significant. And, oh, God. It's just, is it like, like, my advice to people is go look at every aspect of something and then draw your conclusions. Don't just Don't just listen to me, all right? Don't just listen to one person. If you're going to listen to me, just go out, find every bit and piece of information about one certain thing that you can, and then draw your own conclusions. I mean, that's what some people say, you know, to do in some forms of uh, entertainment. I'm not going to name names here, but like Mm -hmm. there are some people that say, I want you to draw your own conclusion, but don't do an honest job of giving you honest information. So you need to go out and you need to go look, for that information <laughs> unfortunately these days because yeah. it's a tough world and you may not know who you can trust that's a really good point man uh, if i've learned anything from working in the entertainment field as of late it's uh you don't know who you can trust and you have to be very careful and at the end of the day like don't pay for someone to tell you what to think. Just think on your own. That's why we're here. That's why we have brains. That's why we have the freedom to learn. So, like, do it. Do it. Right. Learn. Research. Put the legwork in. And and be honest with yourself about the information that you are receiving. Don't just outrightly discount it because it doesn't fall into your line of belief system or the the belief that you have in somebody. No, the, you're not looking for belief in people. You're looking for the actual information, the facts. So follow those. Don't follow the beliefs of other people. And in particular, Stephen Greer, I think, I think it's kind of like a tradition that we just like, you know, name call him at least once in one in, you know, in these episodes. Yeah. I think his name comes up at least once. Well, while we're at it, Corey, good. 
Done it. Done. Boom. Yep. Yep. Corey Good. <laughs> Get out of here. You know what? You know who's a better version of Corey Good is Randy Kramer. I love Randy Kramer to death. Like the. Aww. He's one of the. He's he's in that line, but he's not as egotistical. Go go listen to Randy Kramer if you're into that kind of like secret space program kind of stuff. Go listen to him. Go listen to him. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they're not listening to Randy Kramer, Rob, where can they listen? Like this transition here, where can they listen? <laughs> <laughs> to the Our Strange Skies podcast, brother. Well, you can find it on pretty much every single podcast app, and you can find it at the new website, OurStrangeSkies.com. I've only been doing this for almost two years. We finally got a website. So. <laughs> Dude, it's beautiful, by the way. Yeah, it was uh, done by the great Desdemona. That's the only thing that I will call her, the great Desdemona, because she's <laughs> great at everything she does. She d- does all the artwork for our website, and... Most of the T-shirts and merch that you can find in our T Public store have been done by her, and um, yeah, she did one for me too. Yep, she's um, amazing. She is. Uh, if you're uh, intrigued by the Antonio Vias Boas story, we have a T-shirt over there of the Antonio Vias Boas craft. It's really pretty cool. So nice. Yes, Boas is boss. Oh, he is boss. I mean, <laughs> just like. He was taken on board that UFO, but he didn't seem to have too bad a time. Yeah, dude, party it up. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Rob, thank you, as always, brother, for coming on, giving your honest opinion in a field that is always afraid, it seems, to be honest. So I love doing this. It's so refreshing. Again, everyone, go check out the Our Strange Skies podcast. And I cannot thank you enough for tipping one back with me again, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. That's it for this volume of UFO Happy Hour. As always, my sincere thanks to Rob Christofferson for coming on. If you're listening to this episode upon release on Monday, please be sure to tune in to my brand new episode of Mysteries Decoded. Tomorrow, Tuesday, September 10th at 9pm Eastern, 8pm Central on the CW Network. If you're listening to this after September 10th, the episode is free to stream right now on the CW Seed app. To watch it, visit cwseed.com and just look for Mysteries Decoded. I hope if you're anywhere in Michigan that you'll join me at the Michigan UFO Contact event in Houghton Lake, Michigan. That's September 20th and 21st. To learn more and to get tickets, visit miufocon.com. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review Somewhere in the Skies on Apple Podcasts your Android apps, or wherever you get the show. It helps us find new listeners and gain visibility. Thank you in advance. Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. To help the show out and get rewards in return, visit our Patreon campaign. That's patreon.com slash somewhere skies. We're on Twitter at Somewhere Skies and Instagram at Somewhere Skies Pod. To stream past episodes, read articles, and to contact me directly with your own UFO stories, visit our official website at somewhereintheskies.com. Thanks as always to the E1 Podcast Network, KGRA Radio, and especially to you for listening. I'll see you here next week. And remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.